If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. Welcome to today's episode of the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, brought to you by City Fertility. City Fertility have proudly created Rainbow Fertility, which is Australia's first dedicated fertility and IVF service provider to cater exclusively for the LGBTI community. Rainbow Fertility are uniquely qualified to help you achieve your dreams of parenthood, so visit Rainbow Fertility today to learn more about how they can support you on your journey. So welcome to the podcast today, Meredith. I'd love to start by understanding what led you to make the decision to become a solo mum by choice. Um, trauma and a biological clock. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I was in a domestic violence relationship oh. when I was really young and, um, yeah, like ended up in hospital from that and beaten a lot um abused so wasn't allowed to see my parents um wasn't allowed friends wasn't allowed anything um he was a full-blown uh psychopath narcissist um so they're like staged and he was the top stage where they do all the love bombing at the start and they're like you know the best friend and the most amazing boyfriend and blah 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 and then it just like a switch just turns and then it's just like violence and it you're so embedded that you don't leave and you don't think it's wrong so yeah so I dealt with that so and I could smile about it because it was years ago um and I just I don't know I it takes a lot of time to get over it um and and I think like I tried with men like afterwards, but it's so, it's not like it's there all the time, but I think I just attract that type of male <laughs> um, or the type of male that like is damaged because I'm a bit of a fixer. Mm-hmm. So that's my personality. Like I just try and fix things that are broken. Um, in theory, probably I'm broken. But anyway. <laughs> um, and then... Yeah, so also like I'm an empath, so narcissists are attracted to empaths and so 
we're like a bright light. Um, so you just attract that kind of personality and male personality. And I've seen females that are like it, but not many. Um, so yeah, so I had that and and then yeah, just like I was 30 and everyone's like, oh, you find someone, and then you sort of get to 35 and you're like, Yeah, I haven't found that person yet, mate. Um, so yeah, I did my own research and started my Facebook, uh, the Instagram, sorry, and found a lot of women to talk to and chat to and yeah, then just was like, do your IUI and do your IVF. Right. <laughs> so what age did you decide, hold on, this is the path I want to do? Cause I, um, I think like, so I was like, so 20, 35, like it was when I was really thinking about it and talking about it to my friends and no one said, oh, that's, you know, idiotic. They were all like, yep, fucking do it. Because I live with my folks, so it wasn't like I was alone and had all of that. Like, I am independent, but I'm not. I'm a homebody. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, it was my main criticism is from my mum. She didn't okay. want me to be a single mother because she's from that generation, just that they're poorly and everything else yeah um and and didn't want that life and you know what if this happens what if that happens sort of thing so she was like no 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 um but I tried to you know I saved money and I did a lot of research and I would include her in everything um but ultimately it was my decision and so yeah I ended up uh 2020 happened and I got lost my job here in Geelong and then I picked up my job in Melbourne straight away. So it wasn't like I was um, out of work, but that sort of was a clincher. So through 2020, I saw my uh, FS and then by um, the November, I did my first IUI. So it was really a quick turnaround because I had seen Monash IVF at an opening in 2019 in like the October mm-hmm. and so when I was speaking to all of the doctors and nurses and everyone um there was people from Melbourne and they were on the donor register so they said we'll ring you and you can be put on so okay. I was actually put on in October so by the November like I was at the top of the list for either so it didn't yeah yeah it was <laughs> yeah <laughs> I I thought of like as I said when I went to that and I talked to like half a dozen doctors and stuff and a lot of them were like oh I can get you pregnant you know like I'd had no testing and they were just like you look fine and I'm like good job guys okay Okay." um yeah but in the end like I had all my tests and they were like normal and then had my I didn't think that I wouldn't get pregnant it's just that I never tried so like it was like well if I'd had a husband or a partner like I would have tried but um, when back in the abusive relationship, he didn't want kids or anything, so it was on the pill. And then if I was like a day late, he used to punch me in the stomach and stuff like that to make sure that, like, I wasn't pregnant. So, yeah, shit happens. Man, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> so just yeah. dumbfounded that you can just sit there and be so positive about it, but I guess it's, oh, it's just in the true. past and you've done a lot it of is, from that. Yeah, exactly. Like, um I am probably lucky that I'm not dead I suppose um but 
and I think like about all the women that are and it's just horrific because they probably weren't even as bad as him like a lot of them is like that especially the ones where they have the kids and then they try and take the kids I think that's when they snitch these men seem to snap and like it's like well if you can't have them no one can whereas I was lucky that it was just me and um and there was no kids involved and no pets involved um because I think I would have been worse with a pet and I feel like he might kill the pet so I'm really glad I didn't have a pet um yeah so oh yeah he like shot me with a bb gun and everything and broke my hand so I ended up in hospital with that and even when I was in triage like alone I should have just been like by the way can you either call my parents or call the police but I didn't you're just so like manipulated into thinking that it's fine that you just don't do any of that so yeah there's a lot of like reasons why and I suppose that's the reason why I wanted a girl as well (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think I would have been okay with a dude. Like, um, yeah, would have tried to teach him empathy and and all of that. So, yeah, would have been a bit of a challenge. But I'm still tra- tra- trying to teach um, Rani empathy in, in hindsight. Like, she can be a bit violent. So, <laughs> hard to get that out of her. She's not very old. So, you could have No, no. Yeah, yeah. So, well, she does. Spoiler alert, we were successful yeah. where we have a girl. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so if we go back a step, you, yeah. you got to the top of the donor list and what did what yeah. were you looking for when you were choosing a donor and how did you find that process? Uh, so I only had, for the IUIs, there was like five, I think. Mm-hmm. And so there were two Caucasians and an Indian, uh, an Afghani, a Chinese and a Sri Lankan maybe from memory. And so the two Caucasians had genetic issues and I was like, well, I'm not picking them. And that was just straight up. So health is like number one for me. So I went with the Afghani. Okay. Because he had green eyes and I have blue. And I was like, cool, so she'll get blue eyes or green eyes. She'll be a bit tanned. So that would be awesome because I'm really pale and English. Yeah. And... Yeah, and his health was perfect, and I was like, sweet. So I did actually have genetic testing myself just before the IUI just to not rule out, you know, and have the Caucasians, but I was just like, I just can't be bothered. It's always interesting to know if there are any genetic things that you've got that you don't know about as well, isn't there? Yeah, so I actually got like a low or high iron thing. I think it's low iron, but it's like there's excess iron in my blood and then my uncle actually has it as well. And he was only just found out and he's like 70 or 60. So, yeah, so it's this weird like genetic thing and it does come up, but it's not a huge, like it's not cystic fibrosis or muscular atrophy or um, the other third big one. So I was I was okay, but I was just like just because she's going to be white, like it doesn't bother me. So I was like, yeah, health was like number one and eye colour was second. I remember I did like the genetic thing of working out. So this is his um, 
and this is mine. And I was like, oh, there's a chance that she could have like green or blue eyes. Yeah. She's got hazel. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it. So, well, I actually did um, some known donor stuff. Like I was going to okay. go with a known donor and off um, the internet, the Australian sperm donor thing. Yep. Um, and I met him prior to my IUIs. And he was already, so he already had a daughter and then he had just donated to a woman and she had, she was pregnant with twin boys. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah, no drama. And then that sounds great. And he was great. Like, you know, it was kind of like a date. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had my IUIs. So I kept pushing him sort of away and he kept like messaging me like, oh, when are we doing it? When are we doing it? I was like, oh, well, I just need a break or something. Yeah. So there's a few red flags. <laughs> and then so I was he like, was persistent to you. Yeah. He was more persistent to me. And I was like, yeah, cool story. <laughs> so <laughs> in the end, um, uh, my two IUIs ended up failing. And in the January, I messaged him and I was like, oh, okay, like I think I'm ovulating this week or something, you know, are we right to go? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. And then I said in a text like, oh, by the way, I've got the contract for you to sign. Like, I know it's like not really going to hold up in court, but it does show intent. And he goes, oh, I don't think I'll be signing that. And I went, well, I don't think I'll be coming over. So (laughs) that was a huge red flag for me. So I just was like, cool, see you later then. And that just, like, fulfilled my, like, oh, this is, like, it's a bit dodgy. But then I did have not because I was just looking at the cost of IVF. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I do have the money, but I'm such a stickler. <laughs> like, so I was just like, oh, maybe I could do it again with someone else. So I actually did find someone else and he was quite local. Um, And he was so much different. So, like, we met the first time in a hotel and, he signed the contract straight away and um, he did his little stuff in the bathroom and then I, like, did it in the hotel room and it didn't work. But such a different, like, such a different bloke. Um, and so I was just like, that's cool. And then I had another break and tried again with him and it didn't work and that's when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do IVF. Yeah, so you've been through two rounds of IUI and a couple of rounds of anonymous AI. AI. Yeah. yeah, not anonymous, but like, yeah, like, yeah. yeah so I did some AI, and and I've got all like the the apparatus to do all that, <laughs> you know, like the bloody the cups and the syringes and and all of that jazz. But yeah, it it's it's just something like I don't know. Like for me, I'm I'm a huge researcher. So I just wanted to see what other options were available. But, um, yeah, in hindsight, I'm so glad I've ended up where I am mm-hmm. with, like, not that they're, they're anonymous, um, but that there's more legal loophole. And, and yeah, I think she'll be fine. Like, she's got my dad like, and she's got my friend, male friends. And so I don't think, like, she's going to. Not, never have a male around her like the my streets very um male dominated and there's lots of and we're all friends in our street so yeah so she, yeah like it's not 
I think like some people think with the, you know, if I do a local donor and someone I know, like they'll have a relationship and I just think it gets a bit complicated. Mm. Um, and the line sort of wavers maybe. Yeah, so, I think yeah. I think there's a big difference between known donor and known slash recruited donors and then yeah. clinic recruited anonymous donors. So there's so many like, yeah. Um, pros and cons to all of them and it just depends on you and your situation doesn't it but yeah for sure I've heard from your AI journey is trust your gut and oh yeah red flags just have the confidence to walk away because if they're red flagging before you even get a donation from them who knows what they could be later so oh for sure and then there wasn't even like then there was another guy that was just like he wouldn't give me AI because of my age and he said we had to do NI, and I was like, uh, no, yeah, no. And I was, so, I was actually, I was actually going to go and meet him, and at the last minute, I just pulled out again. Like there were so many red flags with him that I was like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> like, anyone, anyone listening, if you do do natural insemination, yeah. then the legal implications of that because it's not a donation because you've actually had sex to create the child there's so many they have a right to your child there's so many things that oh nightmare alone who who else is he doing ni with and passing oh everybody because like he would he said he had great sperm and he had like it tested and everything and every person i know that has used him you know obviously had a baby and he did have a lot of girls um but i was just like yeah no because I said to him, I'm like, no, I'll happily use you, but we have to, like, sign a contract and do AI. And he was just like, nah, because of your age. And I, I think I was only 36 bullshit. or 37. manipulative. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just, as I said, I seem to attract that type of bloke. <laughs> I think you do. Yeah. Any, in any situation. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they seem to just fly into my radar. But and, um, you now yeah. have the awareness to make it so that they get yeah. back. You? Yeah. So that's all right. Yeah. All right. So we went through a lot of different attempts and then you yeah. went back to Monash did you to try IVF? Yeah, yeah. So just um, I think I'd done everything that they needed even though I'd had a break. So I saw obviously my FS like in the January and she was like, well, you can – do IVF like straight away mm-hmm. and I just was like oh no I um I just wanted to wait and sort of see where I was yeah getting my head around and talking to these like unknown donors so then I had a holiday book to go to um Queensland in the March so I sort of just had that sort of downtime and then obviously um I didn't plan my baby but I kind of did that um she was born in March because I'm a March baby and I like me. So I was, like, I was like, well, if she can be like a little Pisces fish like me, then she might be a cool fish. So, yeah, I was like, well, I'll do it in June. So, yeah, so um, obviously in the May, I think, you had to go on the pill and sort of get your cycle fixed for yep. the June. And then, yeah, and it just all fell into place really did like, you use the same donor or did you have to select No, so um, they were just IUI donors because um, obviously the sperm is quite high. And then um, I think it must have been in the May 
I got the lists for IVF donors and there was about three full pages, so probably like 30, maybe 30. And, again, all the Caucasian men, as soon as they came out, um, the height is, like, number one. Like, they would just be snapped up. And I was like, but you don't even know their medical history because that's just that little line. And the little line is pretty much, like, their ethnicity, their height, their eye colour, hair colour, and if they've got an education. And then you would have to ask for their health. And so I couldn't understand how all these women would just choose height. And I was like, wow. So you would ring and they'd be like, oh, he's already gone. Wow. Like, wow. Okay. I'm so, five foot two, so any child of mine's a bit screwed regardless of the height. Yeah. That was <laughs> well, not I'm only five four. Yeah. So I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, and then they were like, yeah, the, the boys, the boys, the men that were like six something, they were just gone. Um, and then it was the next thing was like the blue-eyed tall men were gone. And so it just like it just kept dwindling and then you would ring for an update because like obviously new ones come on the on the time. But um, I remember talking to another lady um, and we were doing it at the same time and she was, I think she was with Monash as well. So um, she had the same list as me and she we were discussing donors because obviously we were both doing it exactly the same time. So yeah, she ended up with a Caucasian donor. And I I think he had something wrong, like not something wrong with him, but like a genetic thing. And I was just like, well, I don't really see the point in that if that's the only reason. Mm-hmm. Um so in the end I picked an Indian donor. Ah, okay. Yeah. So and your had, your one from IUI wasn't available for IVF because I think some of them. No, could... so he was Afghani, mm-hmm. and um and he wasn't available. Even though I did ask, I think I did. I emailed, I think, and they were like, no, he can't be put onto there. So I said that's fine. And so then yeah, I found an Indian guy who I think was only like five eight or five ten, you know. So <laughs> tallness tall. wasn't the issue. Um, and then he had green eyes, and I was like, sweet. Like I'll get a blue, and I did get a blue. Um, but yeah, so he she he had no genetic issues, no health issues. Like old parents, um, he's from he's a Sikh, um, and he's from like the north. So he was. They said his skin color was like medium, I think. So I was like, cool. Um, so he might have a little bit of color, which would be great. Um, and then. Yeah, I just was like, it doesn't bother me, like, because I'll incorporate that into our lives. Yep. So she will, you know, like, um, go to, like, Diwali Festival and I go to Penang a lot um, and there's a lot of Indians there um, and I'm friends with a lot. So uh, I've got a Pakistani family that I've known my entire life um and so she uh the mum is my was my dentist she's not anymore she's retired so she's my mum's age so she pretty much is her second grandmother Mm. um and so then her daughter Camille is like my age and we went through primary school and, and together and her she her and her husband have a daughter 
and I've put them as guardian if anything was to happen to me so that she's um, got a family if anything happened to me, mum and dad. Yeah. Um, so I did her wills straight away, like my wills, um, as soon as she was born. So, yeah, so there's there's some, so she's not, she can't not see her own ethnicity within my, my family already. Yeah. Um, because they're pretty much family, like, and they live in my town and and everything. So, and I've known them my entire life and treated like family. So, so she's got that. Funnily enough, though, she's very, very white. Is she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when she came out, she was very, very pale, and I was like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> Strong English genes you've got going on there. I think so. So apparently, the only thing everyone says she looks like me. Um, the only thing that is different is like her broadness between the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, so that must be, and he, and not my nose. So definitely his nose. So more of a, a flat nose and a, a broadness between the, and that's what the pediatrician said when he came around, like the day she was born or day after. And he was like, that nose isn't yours. <laughs> I was like, cheers, yeah. buddy. <laughs> well, must be the donor. <laughs> and he was like, ooh, ooh, ooh and stuff. So, yeah. So was it just one round of IVF that you needed to conceive? Yeah, yeah. I was really lucky. Um, I followed It Starts With The Egg book Mm -hmm. and I recommend it to anyone who will listen. I recommend it to my friends. My friends actually got it with a partner at the moment um, because they're trying. Um, But, yeah, I I followed that book for probably nearly two years. So I think I got it in, like, 2020 or even 2020 Christmas. So, like, before I even went to the FS I was reading that book and doing um a lot of the pills and a lot of um the diet and getting rid of plastics and not touching um receipts and and making sure like yeah so the the but haven't actually read it so maybe oh really no so the the receipts that you get and you'd handle and the ink comes into your skin and that's like a toxin and it really affects your eggs so that was like one of my big ones. I was like, oh shit, I can never touch a receipt. So I didn't. I really was like adamant with that. Um, plastics, like where you would cook your veggies, like in the microwave real quick, like stop doing that. Um, stop eating out of plastic. So I've never really been a drink bottle, water drink bottle person. So yeah, like, re- and then the hair shampoo, got all the shampoos, got all the soaps. So yeah, so I did all that really religiously no not religious but like yeah and then the supplements and I went to a naturopath I didn't do acupuncture um because I felt like I was really healthy within Mm. I didn't really need acupuncture um there wasn't anything wrong with my insides I don't have endometriosis or endometriosis or polycystic ovaries or anything so I had follicles um and I had clear tubes just interrupting this episode for a quick word from our sponsors not only have city fertility sponsored this episode they are also extending a very generous 20 percent off discount for all of my listeners that's 20 percent off iui ivf ICSI, as well as six months complimentary egg sperm and embryo storage if you're just starting out or about to undergo treatment to make your baby dreams come true head to the show notes for my discount code and a link to their website for more information so I got 11 and then um, numbers-wise, I think 
um, eight fertilized, and then from the eight, I had five blastocysts. Wow. So the best one was put in on the Saturday, like the next week, you know, within a week, and I didn't test, and then I didn't think much of it, and I didn't want to test because I didn't want to get my hopes up or I didn't want to be disappointed. So I didn't test until the blood test and then have my blood test in the morning and then they didn't ring me until the afternoon and someone said, oh, they don't ring you in the, they'll ring you in the morning if it's negative and afternoon if it's positive. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And so, yeah, she said it was positive. And I was low numbers. I think I was only like 135, 137. But she said that's positive. So, yeah. I had a friend who used to be a fertility nurse and she said, yeah, always save at least one positive for the afternoon. Okay. Uh, make them feel better after having to do all the negatives yeah okay oh maybe that's what they felt the way, it must be so hard for them making those calls and then yeah leave it on yeah. A with a positive so that's right so we've got another four in the freezer then as well yeah yeah so I've got four like AAs and ABs and they're quite good but I'm pretty much one and done you and done yeah because I'm going into it or um I'm an only child myself um, I have a mother that's not very, like, she's not getting any younger. And as I said, she's pretty much looking after Rani at the moment. So I'm pretty sure she'd say no. Yeah. Like, she, she had said no. If I have a second, she's like, you've got to leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> which, like, dad would be like, she's not leaving. But, um, yeah, and he sometimes pushes a bit more because I think deep down maybe he wants, He'd love her grandson, yeah. but there's no guarantee to have another boy. But then if I had another girl, he'd probably love her anyway, so it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, but um yeah, no, I don't think I like I had such a great pregnancy and I I love being pregnant. And I in theory I could easily be pregnant tomorrow forever. I loved yeah. it. But every pregnancy is different, every baby is different. And so there's no guarantees that it would be the same. So we had little Rani. And how old is she now? She is 13 months. 13 months. And how did you find those first kind of newborn days? You were living at home with your parents. That must have helped. But but was it what you thought it was going to be? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I prepared. Um, So I had her in my room and um, I ended up having... Uh, well, Rani was breech, so I ended up having a cesarean, which I didn't want. I wanted a natural water birth, um, so that didn't happen. Other plans. <laughs> yeah, and I had my playlist ready um, and everything and didn't happen. Um, yeah, so also I just want to say, like, yeah, when I was pregnant, like, obviously I was deemed uh, with my BMI to be, like, high risk and I just want to say like that's just so bullshit um and I had to go on aspirin um and that the only reason for that was my BMI and I like I obviously had never been pregnant before and apparently it's supposed to help with preeclampsia like I didn't have that um I didn't have high blood pressure I didn't do the drinks test so um you don't have to do them just if there's other women out there that have pregnant at the moment you don't have to do the glucose test you can just do a blood test Uh, you don't have to drink the drink um and I 
criticize like I didn't criticize the government but like and I had I was on the midwife program and I really liked that and I had a good midwife and she was like an older lady too so well she was like 45 older than me but you know what I mean like not like a young because they have a lot of young midwives at the moment like the like they're fresh out of school so I feel like an older one that had had kids of her own and like she'd been around the traps was very beneficial to me rather than like a 19 year old 20 year old that's never had kids and and stuff so we got on well um and she was happy with like my decisions like you know she said because she did say to me like if you were with a gynecologist he would push you to have these tests Mm. when in theory you don't and you do have your own rights to say no to certain things so um, so I did do that and then, but obviously Rani was breach and I had to have monitoring in the last couple of weeks because um, they were going to try and turn her, um, but I didn't have enough fluid uh, for that. And then so I was scheduled for a cesarean. Um, I also did a couple of acupuncture test uh, days with my acupuncturist here um, and she tried to turn her with some spirit stuff so there's a needle that goes in your little toe and then there's like a charcoal smoking sort of thing that's supposed to turn her as well so she would try and put the needle in my toe and it would kill me and she was like yeah I'm really sorry the baby doesn't want to turn so she was sitting with just like your little toe wasn't it yeah it's right right on the little toe and I was like right there's a point and that point goes into me and it I couldn't put the needle in she was just like no she does not want to turn so she hey, came out sunroof, bum first, and so, and then it's like mad head of hair. Yeah, just so much hair. Um, so that was obviously from the Indian donor because I, I had hair but not as much as her, so it was about like that, oh, like an inch already long. Um, so she was very popular, um, with all the nurses. So she was carted around in the middle of the night to show all the other nurses. So um. <laughs> Yeah, like look at this hair. Um, but no, like yeah, it was really good that um I did have mum and dad, and I'd had my um other family member uh come and help me for a bit, and then um yeah, so it's really easy. Like what's easy? Obviously, you're recovering from major surgery, which like a lot of people don't realize or realize, and then just go, yeah, you'll be fine. You've got painkillers. Um, luckily. We've got a really big shower with like handrails, so it's sort of yeah already like installed. So that was that helped, and and the hair dryer on the scar really helps dry it out. Um, so different things. I heard that one. Yeah, yeah. So um, hair dry it with the hair dryer to make sure that it's really dry after shower in those first like week, two weeks. Actually, probably did it for a long time, and then um, and then the extra pad. So, like, Tom's pads are really, like, lovely. And so you would put the Tom's pad on the scar and then your pants on for your knickers and stuff. Yeah. And get those knickers that come right up to your waist. Yeah, yeah. That's We're not wearing G-strings anytime soon, ladies. <laughs> I found I'm taking collagen before I was, oh, pregnant, yeah. while I was pregnant and then afterwards really helped with the, the scar healing as well. Yeah. Yeah, that. that would. Yeah. Or bone broth, same thing. So you could eat a bit of that. Um, yeah, so no, I, I, it, was, it was good. And obviously your mum wasn't sold on the idea when you were first considering no. it. At what point did she come round? Uh, probably when she had to be my birth partner. 
So even when you were pregnant, she was still. Oh no, she when she was pregnant, she was totally fine. She she sort of did come around, um, and she came to scans, which she didn't really want to because obviously in her day you just had a doctor that felt your belly and listened. Yeah. Um, you didn't like see inside, um, so that she's not really good with squeamish stuff. But yeah, she she did manage it. Um, so she came to a couple of scans. My dad came to a scan. My friend came to a scan. And so now she's just over one. Have you mm-hmm. thought anything about making a connection with the donor or donor siblings? Or what do you um, No, I haven't actually. I don't even know. I'd have to find his number or something. I think there's like a, a Facebook group or something maybe and you put the numbers in, the donor number. Barter as well given that you're in Victoria, the voluntary register. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I just assume like mm-hmm. I'll just wait till she's 16. Yep. And then they contact you and, um, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. And I just I just don't see many people have chosen him as a donor, so I'd be pleasantly surprised if they had mm-hmm. and it'd be great, but I really don't know if they will. So, yeah, one thing you can do is you can ring up the clinic and get a family audit. So oh, okay. And they can just tell you how many other children have been born from that donor and how many other families. Cool. All right. I might do that. Mm-hmm. Can't tell you much, but they can tell you if like a boy or a girl and kind of the age. So. Oh righto. Hmm. Oh, that'll be all right. Yeah, might do that. I would assume Rani's probably the first and might be the only, but who knows? Maybe there was an Indian family that wanted an Indian donor, and that'd be cool. Um. So yeah. So I don't know, but I did um notice actually a girl posted in the the single mothers group on Facebook and she asked about ethnicity and there was a lady that posted and said she used an Indian donor but I don't know what state she's in because obviously we're Australian wide so mm. but yeah so and if you look back now is there anything that you wish you'd done differently throughout your journey um no no I think everything has a reason and a, a, you make choices for the way that you wanted to go about things I think like if I'd moved quicker on IVF like she just wouldn't be a Pisces um so like she would have been probably like a December baby and I wouldn't have really wanted that either so or like a Jan of February yeah so yeah no um I think everything I I think I yeah I'm glad that I you know sort of dabbled in all fields yeah and had a crack at everything and and didn't not try it but um no she's she's where I needed to be and how I needed to be and where you get to and all that so yeah what are you most looking forward to doing with her when she gets a bit older um so I definitely want to go to Penang which is Mm -hmm. in Malaysia um and see all some of my friends over there um just like travel she's really inquisitive she's really smart like she's already trying to put socks and shoes on and she does like crazy things that I'm just like I never did that and my mum is just like she's just not a blob like you were a blob baby like I just sat still oh yeah it's hilarious it's our running joke um so I just would sit still and this was before I had the plaster apparently and then obviously with the plaster um but yeah Rani is just go 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 and inquisitive and 
expressionistic like she can't play poker not like I can play <laughs> poker because like everything's written on our face um yeah <laughs> yeah so she's really like and then the she's worst liars yeah <laughs> yeah that's it like, well I don't lie I just tell the truth and everybody gets shocked that you tell them the truth so you know you have a friend yes says like oh you t- you wouldn't tell me the truth if I you know about how bad or how good motherhood is and I was like yeah I will like and she's like, no, because you want me to have a baby. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't want you to have a baby. I don't want you to have a baby unless you want to have a baby. It's such a huge decision. Like, I think that's the other thing is, like, a lot of women don't realise that their old lives are not completely gone, but they're gone. Like, and they change so dramatically that you, if you are not prepared mentally, you get upset and you shouldn't get upset. Because if this is what you wanted, then this is what you wanted, then this is what you got. So take good with the bad. And when you can have some time, you have some time. If you can't have some time, just look at your kid. You wanted her or you wanted him. Like go and do the go to the park. Go outside with him. Like Rani loves being outside. She hates being inside. So God help us in winter. But um yeah, she's just an outdoorsy girl. So, you know, I hope to, I don't like camping, but it looks like I probably will be camping. Um, <laughs> so, or camping with a hotel or something. I don't know. I have cabins. I've been in cabins. Oh, okay, cabins, yeah. And like at the big fall, like they've yeah. got like so much stuff that I can just imagine she'd be like, go, go, go. So I just, that's my biggest thing. I've had a couple of my friends, um, yeah, like really sort of, lose not lose themselves but lose like their old life and I think there's a lot of those like little Instagram posts where they're just like oh you know we lost ourselves or this and the other one there's another good one that I've seen and it was no one told me when I became a mother I'd meet a whole new person and that person would be me exactly and you are you are totally different Mm. I find that I don't sugarcoat anything I probably never did before but like I'm very blunt and I'm like, well, it's this way or this other way. Like, but I find, yeah, like also my parenting is, I think like what you said, like if you are older, you're definitely bruisier. But then I have a mother that's very like, like she's very hands-on. So she's like, you're doing that wrong or you need to do this and you haven't prepared this. Why haven't you? Like, and I just go, ah, it'll be fine. So um, she's Rani's definitely going to get like both sides of that sort of coin. Whereas I think if I lived alone, she'd just be like, she'd probably end up parenting me. <laughs> Mum, it's tea time. And we're like, oh, I'm Please still working. Me. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think, and I like that. You know, I think I would struggle if I was completely alone, and I hats off to everyone that is completely alone and does like this on their own because it is hard and yeah like I was I would just have to do daycare you know um and and I know there's benefits to it as well but I wasn't a daycare kid myself like so my mum was a teacher and she had seven years off so (laughs) lucky her um yeah but and the husband that worked so you know mortgages went through the roof and mortgages houses didn't cost fucking two million dollars so you know everything's different and everything's in perspective but um yeah I 
I'm glad that she's got them because it gives her three adults to literally talk to and she does talk to us and, yeah, she's not talk-talking yet but she knows the dog's name and my name and mum and dad's name So and, like, bye-bye and hi-ya and waves and claps and so, yeah, she's she's Wait not going to be. She's about three and she won't shut up. Oh, mate, she, well, yeah, yesterday I was just like, have you, you went to the park as a one-year-old and came back as a five-year-old, like, with the not going to sleep and just, like, having the best time and she could see it, like, yeah, so, I don't know. Is there any advice for anyone who's just considering this journey and wondering if it's the right thing? Ah, do it. Like, do it. You won't regret it. The only thing, I, yeah, I think the regret would be the loss of self and, you have to really focus your energy into accepting that your old life doesn't exist and you have a new life. Um, and hopefully and, a wonderful new life. So yes, exactly. And, like, not it's not detrimental. It's just that it's a change and we all change and we all go through changes. And, um, yeah, and I would definitely... Do it if you have the support network, unfortunately, the finances because it's not cheap. Um, I never went into my super. I don't recommend that, but I know people do um, because, again, we have 18 weeks off and a lot of us don't get paid super in those 18 weeks. Some people do and it's amazing. Um, some people have jobs where they give them paternity leave maternity leave like you know great I don't so yeah like I think if you're well established you've really done your research you've identified that like this is what it is then do it there's nothing stopping you that's awesome so I'm really looking forward to people hearing your story thank you so much for sharing I'm Alicia and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.